Hey guys, welcome to the Filming with Josh podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Milligan, and this is episode number 43, Why You Need to Have an Hourly Rate. This is the Filming with Josh podcast, brought to you by Rustic River Media. Welcome to the videographer's home for tips, tricks, and how to make flicks. Welcome back to the Filming with Josh podcast. I'm excited about today's episode. It's not going to be a super long episode. I just want to talk about um, some advice on why you need to have an hourly rate. Before I do that, I do want to mention that uh, last week, GoPro announced the Hero 10 Black, and I picked up two of them and already got one of them in, and I was going to give a brief, um, a brief talk about my experience with them. First off... I just want to say I don't use GoPros a ton of my work professionally. I use them maybe once or twice a year, um, but they are good to have in your kit for those shots that you're really not going to want to use your other cameras for. Um, I, I mount them to ATVs, to helicopters, to planes, um, to kayaks, to fishing boats, to all kinds of different things. And theoretically, yes, you could put your big cameras um on an ATV or mount them to a plane or a helicopter or a kayak, but most people aren't going to want to do that unless you're getting paid a lot of money and you've got uh, a lot of insurance for a particular shot and that's the only, you know, the only you want a specific look and you're willing to get it at whatever cost it is. <laughs> unless you have that, um, you're probably going to want to put a GoPro there instead, right? Because they're affordable. If something happens to them, it's not the end of the world. Um, and they do a pretty good job for what they are. They're quick to set up and they're great little tools. And over the years, they've gotten so much better because now you can you have things like ProTune, which allows you to have a really flat picture profile so you can uh, do some, some grading in post to get it to look a little bit more like how you want it to look. You've got uh, better bit rates over the years. We've gotten higher resolution, which resolution isn't everything, um, but it does help whenever you're scaling the image down to re retain some extra detail. And uh, over the years, we've been able to get um, linear modes and things like that that help get rid of some of that fisheye look. And we've also got um, improvements in the, the abilities to be able to um, do things like uh, dial in your shutter speed, your white balance, your ISO, those things that kind of help you um, use it in a more professional way where you can actually dial in the settings rather than have an auto setting like when the, when the first generations came out. And then also dynamic range and low light performance and, and color accuracy have all improved over the years. And so these cameras are, are quite capable cameras for those types of things. Um, I even use mine uh, sometimes for shots like uh, in events where uh, maybe I want to get a time lapse or two of crowds coming in or out of an event. And maybe I don't want to Maybe I don't want to put my big cameras up to do those time lapses because maybe I'm shooting by myself and I can't be by the time lapse lapse camera and I don't want anybody to mess with it or steal it. Um, so having, or maybe I don't even want to tie those cameras up because maybe I need those cameras for other things I'm doing. So being able to plant and hide GoPros in places where people won't see them um, and be able to get time lapses of them coming in and leaving um, and not have to worry about watching my camera the whole time, that's pretty nice. So they're, they're good tools to have for all those different types of things. So I don't use them a ton in my work, like I said, a couple times a year maybe, um, but those couple times a year when I need them, they're fantastic tools to have. Um, and I also like to use them um, in my um, 
personal life outside of the business world, I like to use them um, when I go fishing and hunting and things like that. They're fun because I don't like to take a lot of my camera equipment when I go fly fishing on my kayak, for instance. I don't want to take all my cameras and stuff. I'm there to fish, not to work. Um, so for me, being able to just throw, just throw a GoPro on the front of my kayak and have it facing me um, so that if I hook into a fish off my fly rod and I'm fighting the fish and bringing it into the boat and I want to film it just for fun, just to share with my friends, you know, where I'm not wanting to put a lot of work or effort into it, but just want to get a cool clip. It's great for stuff like that. And they're also great for getting photos. A lot of times I'm not, I don't have anybody there to take a photo of me and my fish, but I can turn my GoPro on and talk to it and say, GoPro take photo and have it take a a series of burst photos of me holding my fish out. And so for those kinds of things, GoPros are great. And I, the last couple of ones I had were the GoPro Hero 6 Blacks. And I, I've been kind of holding off on upgrading my GoPros over the years because the 7, the 8, and the 9, just they were improvements, but they weren't enough of a jump to make me want to leave the Hero 6 Black. But the Hero 10 Black I think is finally there. And so I'm selling my two Hero 6 Blacks. I bought two 10s already. And the reason why I feel that way is I feel that these Hero 10s are the most refined GoPro um, cameras that GoPros ever come out with. They, <clears throat> they just are more stable. I've read that right out of the gate. A lot of people's experience that um, got them uh, before the release to test them. A lot of them were just commenting on how the battery life had improved and how the camera was a lot faster and a lot more stable. And I really wanted that because over the years, GoPro has been known for having cameras that sometimes the software isn't super stable and they'll shut off randomly or won't record or freeze or, you know, weird things like that, which obviously um, can be a problem in the moment, especially if you're doing something um, professionally with them. Uh, but now with the Hero 10s, they have a new processor in them and they are way more stable. And I tested mine out this past weekend on a five and a half mile, nine or 10 hour kayak fly fishing trip I went on, uh, kind of a, a drop trip where uh, I hire someone and they we drop my truck off downstream and then they take me upstream and drop me off and then I just kind of make my way back to my truck. And I took it with me and uh, shot some clips and, and some photographs of me holding fish I caught. I had a pretty good day. I caught 20 something fish in the morning. The bike kind of slowed down after lunch, but uh, I got to test it out and um, turn it on and have it, you know, talk to it, say GoPro take photo and have it take photos of me with my fish and stuff. And everything worked great. I had no stability issues um, in the battery life. I, after the trip, I still had 94% battery, which is amazing considering how notorious GoPro is for running out of juice really fast. You can definitely tell that the new processor, um, is less intense on the battery, so the battery life is improved. So that's that's a huge improvement for me. Um, and then immediately when dealing with the raw files, I noticed that um, there's a little bit more dynamic range there. Um, the color's a little better, and I, I don't know. I just feel like the image is definitely a little better than my Hero 6s. I wouldn't say there it's like a dramatic improvement, but it is improved. Um, and the stability and the battery life is great. And now we have things like in video, we have 5.3K up to 60 frames per second, which gives you... I would never crop in, and I don't ever recommend cropping in on GoPro footage. Uh, I just don't think it looks good cropped in, even if you shoot at a higher resolution. But... 
if you shoot at something like 5.3K and you scale it down to 4K, or, or even if you scale it all the way down to HD, if you're working with an HD timeline, it looks really nice and detailed. And you you get that up to 60 frames now, and and uh, that's really nice. And you get their really amazing um, image stabilization uh, in every frame rate and in every resolution now, which is new. So all of those things are great if you're going to be using it on ATVs, on car mounts or um, mounting it to a plane when you're flying into remote bush country, backcountry area. All of that kind of stuff is really, uh, it's really handy to have on a GoPro for those kinds of shots so that you can have this resolution to play, not to play, not to crop in on, but to scale down on so you have more more information, more detail there, um, and to have improved color science and a more uh, stable camera that you can rely on makes them good for what they are. So I'm not trying to say, this is no plug for GoPro, and I'm not trying to say that the Hero 10 is something you need to run out and buy today, uh, but I am saying I do think it is the most mature product they've ever released, and um, I'm really glad I, I waited and picked a couple of these up, and I, I really like them, and my first impression was very, very good. Um, also, it has a new touchscreen, which is very useful on the river. Uh, this past weekend, I was able to change settings on the fly without having to ever pull my phone out on the water, which is really nice. The touchscreen is so much better in their past generations. Uh, so if you're interested in a new GoPro camera, I definitely recommend it. I think that you won't regret getting the 10 over any other version, even if it is a little more money than the previous versions, simply because I think it's worth it to get a very stable camera that you can rely on. Now that we've gotten the GoPro <laughs> talk out of the way, Let's get into today's podcast, which is why you need to have an hourly rate. Um, essentially, when you look at pricing a project, um, typically, at least this is how I do it, and I think most people I know do it this way, you're looking at how much time you're investing in the project, right? And the easiest way to price your project or to price a project is to figure out how much time you are going to invest in on the project, shooting and editing, or, or one or the other or both, how much time you're going to invest on in script writing, how much time you're going to invest on project management, project planning, how much time you're going to invest in all that stuff. And you multiply that times your day rate to give yourself um, a, a, a price, right? And then, of course, you add up your expenses. Do you need a sound guy? Do you need second shooters? Do you need... Um, you know, any kind of props or to rent uh, uh, any, any um, to rent a space or a set to go shoot at? Do you need to pay actors? Like you have so many things you have to work through, right? What are the travel expenses? All of that. So you're basically taking your rate, multiplying it by, uh, by the amount of days you're going to invest in the project, and then adding up all the expenses. And that's giving you your project total. Of course, you can add more to it if you feel like it's more valuable to the customer and and like you can get more out of it. Um, I do that sometimes if I come up with a price, but I think it's worth more, I can charge up a little. Um, or maybe you go down if you feel like you're working with a, an organization or a nonprofit and you really want the job and you tallied everything up and you think it's just a touch high, you might come down a little. But either way, your starting point for pricing a project is your amount of time times your rate plus expenses. Now, the reason, the reason why I say you need an hourly rate is, first off, what is a day rate? Everybody talks about a day rate. You know, what's your day rate? Because if you're getting hired, whether you're getting hired as a freelancer 
or whether you're getting hired to do a project from start to finish, you have to have a day rate because a day rate is how you come up with your pricing. You know, if someone calls you as a freelancer, the first question they're going to ask you is what's your day rate? You know, usually it's what's your day rate and what's your, what, what, what equipment do you have? They want to know that right off the bat. Um, and, and you're going to give them that rate and they'll kind of decide at that point whether your rate is within their budget or not, right? Um, and, and whether or not they like your experience and equipment, of course. Um, and the same thing goes if you're just pricing a, a project for a client that you're going to be handling from start to finish and you just have to come up with one lump sum number. I mean, you have to have a day rate in order to come up with a price, right? So everybody has a day rate in some way, even if, it's, even if they're just pricing the project as a whole, which is what I do most of the time. You have to have a day rate, right, to get to that point. But what is a day, right? This is a, this is a very interesting thing because when I was getting into video and I was kind of figuring out how to price stuff and I started understanding the need to have a day rate, I never really quantified what a day was. And I remember, and I actually mentioned this in my last podcast episode, I am sorry, I have a client blowing up my phone right now and I don't know how to turn the text noise off on my computer. So if you keep hearing dinging, it's a client who is just blowing up my phone for some reason. So sorry about that. Um, <laughs> but I, I talked about this in last week's podcast, which was I had a client once that wanted to do a music video with me, and he, he only wanted to pay for a one-day a one shoot, um, and, and of course the edit and the expenses, but he only wanted to pay for a one-day shoot because he he didn't want to pay my day rate twice, right? Because my, my day rate's a little a little up there simply because of the amount of experience and equipment and things I have now. And so he didn't he didn't want to pay for two days. He only wanted to pay for one um, and the expenses and editing. Um, but I never had a I never had a number of hours of which made up a day, right? So <laughs> it ended up being a 20 hour shoot. And we got everything done in a 20 hour shoot and I only got paid for one day, right? And that really frustrated me because I, I knew at that point that I should have put a number behind what my day rate was, a number of hours of which made my day rate because really it was a two-day shoot. And I told him up front when we talked about the project, it was going to take two days to shoot it. He said, no, let's get it done in one day. And I did. I got it done technically in one 24-hour day, but it was a two-day shoot that I did in a 24-hour day. And I only got paid for one day. And obviously I'm not going to go back to him and make him pay me for a second day because I was, it was my fault. I never quantified what a day was. Now, since then in my contract, um, I have it written out what a day is. And so for me, I base everything off of 10 hour days. Now I, that doesn't mean a day will take me 10 hours. Sometimes a day will take me only three hours, but I'm charging a full day for that because I don't offer half days. So for me, I've got I've got a, a cap essentially on what my day rate is. And I, you know, we're just going to whatever, however long you're going to book me for the day. And it's going to take us however long it takes us to shoot the project up to 10 hours. And that's my full day. But what happens on a project that has to go over 10 hours? What if we have a project? It's like, man, you just know it's going to not, you're not going to be able to get it done in 10 hours. Well, you have two options. You can choose to either go longer than 10 hours and just give that to your client because you just, you know, hey, it's going to take us 11 hours or 12 hours. I won't charge you extra. Um, but what if it's going to be much more than that? What if it's going to be 14 or 15 or 16 hours? Should you still only get paid for one day when you're really putting in like two days worth of work? To me, that's where an hourly rate comes in. Because if you have an hourly rate, you can say, look, my day rate is blank up to 10 hours. 
and every hour after that is this much an hour. Now, how do you come up with that number? Well, for me, it was kind of simple, and, and this may not be your approach, but my approach was I'm going to take what my rate is, and I'm going to divide that by 10-hour workday, and that's going to give me my hourly rate. And so if your day rate was, let's just say it was $1,000 a day, you divide that by, and you're, you know, you're, you're quantified a day is 10 hours, so you divide that by by. 10 hours, you're looking at hundred bucks an hour. That's your hourly rate. So if a shoot was going to take 13 hours, you would charge $1,300, $1,000 for your day, and then an extra hundred dollars per hour for the remaining three hours. Um, you could charge up on your hourly rate, you know, past this point, Hey, I want to get overtime essentially, or you could charge less at a discounted rate. And that's up to you. I keep it simple. I just, I just do the math and divide my day rate by 10 hours and I just keep it the same the same hourly rate for every hour that's added and, and and that's how I like to do it but you could go up or down depending but the point is is it allows me to put a cap on what a day is and then be able to quantify how much extra I should charge if a shoot goes past that point and if I'd have had that in place when I did the music video then I wouldn't have been stuck doing a 20 hour day getting paid for 10 hours. You know what I mean? And so I would have, I would have made, I would have really made two full days worth of pay because it just would have been an extra 10 hours times my day rate. So I would have gotten paid for two full days. And so now that I, I have this system that happened many years ago, but now that I have this system in place and I've had this in place for a while, it allows me to be able to get paid what I should be able to get paid for the extra amount of work that I'm doing. You know, a 20 hour workday needs to be, I mean, that is more valuable than an eight or 10 hour workday. It needs to be, it needs to be paid for, right? I shouldn't have to work an extra 10 hours for free. And so like this allows me to make sure that doesn't happen. And then on top of that, it, it make it puts things into perspective for my clients. They, that way they're not like, well, hey, I paid you for a day. I get you for the whole day, right? It allows me to quantify, no, like you get me for 10 hours, Anything outside of that is this much per hour. And that's all written out in the contract, so it's not a surprise to them. They know it up front when they hire you for the project. Hey, how many days is this shoot going to take? I think it's going to take three days. You're, pay you're hiring me for three days, They're going to be, uh, and each day is up to 10 hours. Anything past that's this much per hour. And that way, they're, you know, they're not trying to take, take advantage of you and make you work 24 hours theoretically because hey I paid you for the day I got you for the whole day so it's really important that you have that uh, a qu that you quantify in your contract what constitutes or what creates a day how many hours is a day and then how much extra it is after that beyond that point point. and again if it's just like one hour extra and you just want to give that to your client or maybe you you know you want to shoot in the golden hour in the morning and the evening and you know that you know in the morning the sunrise is going to be around seven in the evening. The sunset's going to be around seven and that's technically 12 hours, but maybe you'll take a two hour lunch break or something to kind of make, make up for that time so that you can shoot in the morning and evening. Maybe you'll come up with something like that. So you're not charging them for two extra hours just so you can shoot in the sunset. You know, you can do that if you want to work with your client, but the idea is just putting this in place. So you have the ability to quantify a day and to be able to come up with a number of extra money that you should charge for any hours on top of that. Another reason to have an hourly rate is what if a client calls you and says, hey, you know that footage we shot for that last project? Could you take some of that footage and make a quick Instagram video for me or put something together and make a quick you know, montage of, of clips for me? That way you don't have to charge them 
for a full day, but you also don't have to do it for free. You have a number, you know what to charge for that, right? Because I have a client right now um, that has hired me for some really big commercial projects and we've, we've already completed the projects, but they've since called me up numerous times and said, hey, can we have a 15 or 20 second video for uh, Instagram for national um, aviation day that's coming up or hey can we have uh, another um, video on Instagram to celebrate this other day we have shots you know that we we captured um, can we use some of those shots to make this quick 20 second video and so they'll call me and they'll ask me to to make these little videos for them and these are outside of the outside of the project that they already paid me for. So how do I charge them? Well, I charge them per hour. So if it takes me an hour to put that together for them, I charge them my hourly rate just for an hour. If it takes me two hours, I charge them two hours. You know, if they do two hours here and two hours there and another two hours somewhere else, then I'll I'll bill them for six hours, you know? And so this allows me to be able to price how much it is to do little small things like that. Or what if a client what if you have in your contract how many rounds of revisions there are? I always give my clients two rounds of revisions after a project has been submitted uh, for a rough draft. And this is that's a pretty common practice for most, for most companies um, to have two rounds of revisions. Well, what happens if they want a third round or a fourth round or a fifth round? How do you price that? Well, an hourly rate is how I price that. It makes it simple. Like if, if they want, if they make two rounds of revisions, but later on they call you and say, hey, we need to do another round of revisions. We realize that um, we, we should have said this here instead of that, or we realized we should have put some text in here, or hey, the CEO said he really wanted to go back in and add something else. Um, you know, well, you know, we'll pay whatever it costs extra, and you you can tell them, okay, yeah, it's just gonna be um, it's just gonna be my hourly rate, and so you just bill them for the number of hours that you put in on it. And so having an hourly rate allows you to figure out how can I price things, little things like that, whether it's a quick video for someone or whether it's putting uh, some extra revisions into a project or things like that. Or what if a client says, hey, while you're here, can we do some photographs? You know, what if you're on a video shoot and that, and that question comes up? That happens to me quite a bit. Hey, can we do some product photos while we're here? And how much would that cost or it's something like that. And I, I will typically, something along those lines is what they'll say. And I'll typically say, sure, you know, if it takes, you know, we'll spend an hour doing it and I'll charge you for, you know, my, my hourly rate for that hour. And, uh, and then I'll bill you for however many hours it takes me to edit the photos. So if I'm on a shoot and my hourly rate is $150 an hour, for instance, and, and I shoot uh, a handful of photos for them and it takes me, you know, 45 minutes to an hour to do it, that's one hour. And then if I come home and it takes me a couple of hours to edit them up, that's two more hours. And then there for, for $450, three billable hours, you know, I can give them some photographs. And so it's, it allows them to quantify what that extra co cost would be. Um, and so for me, having an hourly rate allows you to be able to offer, um, your services beyond what you're contracted to do, you can offer additional things like, hey, while I'm site, if you want to add some photos, you know, this is how much it would cost, you know, and just come up with that number based on your hourly rate. Or hey, if we need to do some extra revisions, this is how much it's going to cost. Or if you need to stay beyond 10 hour workday or eight hour workday or whatever your, your, you know, whatever number you want of hours you want to come up for your day rate is, um, you know, you have a way to price that. So having an hourly rate to me just kind of simplifies your business in a way because it allows you to, um, to quantify your time. Lastly, 
The last reason why I have an hourly rate is when you come up with an hourly rate, it kind of helps you to understand in just in life in general what your time is worth. And I, I use that in everything. If I look at my truck and I've got something wrong with it, and I think to myself, how much time would I have to invest of my own time fixing that problem in my truck? And if I think it's going to take me like six hours to figure it out, I know that if I take those six hours and multiply it by my hourly rate, let's just say my hourly rate for simplicity's sake was 100 bucks, and I, I know it t- it's going to take me six hours plus parts to figure it out, well, that would be six, $600 of my time plus parts to get that done. And if I call a mechanic and say, hey, I've got this thing wrong with my truck, I was thinking about getting someone else to do it for me, how much would it cost? And if they say, hey, you know what? It's going to be parts plus labor, and the labor is going to be like three or $400, then I know that it's actually cheaper to pay the mechanic than it is for me to spend my own time doing it because my time is worth X amount per hour and it's going to take me this many hours. And so it helps you kind of put your whole entire life into perspective in terms of what your time is worth. And so if you have to Let's say you, you know, let's say you're doing business networking groups because you're trying to market yourself, you're trying to get plugged into the community, and you've been putting a lot of hours into going to these different networking groups. And let's say you've gotten one or two jobs out of it, and those one or two jobs have paid, let's just say, uh, $2,000 a piece, and you've done two jobs, so you've made $4,000 off of people you've met from those business networking groups. That's four grand. That sounds sounds like a little little nice little chunk of money for going to those networking groups. But what if what if you've been spending 2 hours a week at that networking group or maybe it's uh you know, yeah, 2 hours a week, what is that? 8 hours a month and let's just say your day rate was $100 um, you know, an hour. So that's 8 hours per month, that's $800 a month of your time that you're investing in that group. And let's just say you've been going for an entire year which is um 50, you know, 52 weeks out of the year. So let's just say you're going 52 weeks out of the year and you're putting two hours in uh, every time, every week you go, that's 104 hours a year times your day rate of $100 or your hourly rate of $100. That means you've put $10,400 worth of your time into that networking group. And if you've only made out of an entire year, $4,000 worth of money out of it, then you know, it's not worth your time, right? Because if you've spent 104 hours going to that networking group over the span of an entire year and you've only made four grand out of it and you know that your time is you know worth $100 an hour, $10,400 worth of your time, then you know it doesn't add up. You're actually wasting your time. And so it just kind of helps you beyond just simply pricing extra hours or pricing time that you're going to invest on something. It helps you even go as far as to quantify what your time is worth in everything so that you can make better business decisions. Hey, this, this highlight reel I want to make for my business is going to take me, you know, 30 hours of my time to make, you know, if my hourly rates, $300 or excuse me, a hundred dollars, and I'm going to put 30 hours in it. You know, that's $3,000 worth of my time. Am I going to make $3,000 back because of this highlight reel? 
or it was no one ever going to hire me because of it. You know, you can have that conversation. And maybe the answer is yes, this highlight reel is going to help me land 20 jobs. And those jobs are going to pay way more than the $3,000 worth of my time I invested in it. Then you know it's a good idea to make it. You know, so it just kind of helps you make better business decisions because you've quantified your time. You know what your time is worth. And now you can start comparing what is my time versus what my return is going to be. And is it worth it? So to me... Having an hourly rate is essential as a business person uh, in any business, really, but especially in in the video and photography world. And I'm I'm talking more towards the video crowd here, Uh, but it could apply to photography and any other business. But it's really important to have because it it just helps you make really good business decisions and it helps you be able to uh, explain to your clients how much extra things are going to cost. So anyway, like I said, this wasn't going to be a long podcast. I just kind of wanted to touch on this topic because I think it's an interesting topic. And if you have any comments or questions about what I went over today or thoughts, you know, go on to Filming with Josh and post them there. If you are not a member of the Filming with Josh Facebook group, hop onto Facebook, type in Filming with Josh and ask to join the group today. And I'll be sure to approve your request once I see it. The Filming with Josh Facebook group group is your home for tips, tricks, and how to make flicks. Go on to that group, post your comments or questions about this podcast there, or any other comments and questions you have about anything else, and we'll be sure to hop on and join the conversation. Thanks again for listening to today's episode. I'll see you guys next week. To learn more about Rustic River Media, visit us online at rusticriver.media. Thanks for listening to the Filming with Josh podcast. Catch every episode by hitting subscribe today. Thank you.